Anytime there was a conflict or a problem between two people, he would be the one to decide who was right and who was wrong. Only there was a problem, and this was actually a very big problem. You see, this man didn't care at all about the rule of law. They were, they were more like suggestions to him. And to make matters worse, he didn't care what anyone else thought of him. He looked out for himself and himself only, and he didn't care what God or anyone else thought. The only way to get him to do anything for you was to bribe him or to, to put some pressure on him. And let me tell you, this judge was not easily persuaded. And in this same city was a widow, a woman who had suffered the loss of her husband, and in the midst of her grieving, she's taken advantage of. We're not told what happened, but it was significant enough that after she's not able to resolve this problem with the person, she takes herself, she goes to this judge who she knows to be unjust. When she finally gets her day in court, after dismissively listening to her case, the judge gets to the only thing that he really cares about. What's she going to do for him? Here she is asking something from him, and this is going to require something of her in return. And as he asks her, you can just see the look on her face fall in desperation. She has nothing to offer she has no pressure to put on this man. She cannot persuade him. I mean, after all, hasn't she been listening to him? He's, she's here for the very purpose that she has nothing to begin with. She's a widow. She doesn't have anything to give. And here the judge, realizing that there's nothing in this for him, he, he laughs her out of the courtroom. He dismisses her and sends her away. And what is she going to do now? Well, as she walks home alone, afraid, and helpless, she resolves to do the only thing that she can do. She's going to go back to the judge tomorrow. After all, he's the only one who can help her. She's going to use the only tool at her disposal. She's going to be persistent and keep pleading her case until he finally gives her justice. So the next day as the sun rises, she makes her way to court convinced that today is going to be different, but unfortunately, the results are exactly the same. He refuses to help her, and she goes away empty-handed, but she's resolved. She's going to come back tomorrow, and again the next day, and again the next day, and the day after that, until she gets what she wants. She gets what she's asking for. As the days turn to weeks and the weeks turn to months, you can begin, you can imagine that she begins to ask herself or, or maybe even others begin to ask her, why do you keep going to the judge? You already know what he's going to say. He's not going to help you. There is absolutely no reason to hope or to expect that anything is ever going to change. Isn't it time for you to cut your losses and stay home? But even as these voices grow louder and louder, she remains resolved. She knows that he's the only one who can help her, and so she keeps going. And it's a good thing, too. It's a good thing because one day as this judge looks out the window and he sees her approaching, he gets that sinking feeling in his stomach. You see, unknown to her, each day as she's kept coming and coming and pleading her case, she's been wearing him down. The text says that she is beating him down. It's a, it's a picture as if her, her constant pleading, her coming back day after day after day has given him 
a black eye. And because she hasn't given up, but she has kept coming day after day, passionately pleading her case, he's been moved to give her justice, to answer her cries for help. Now, it's not that he believes her story or that he particularly cares about this widow. He doesn't at all. He just wants her to go away. It's like the, the tired parent who just wants their child to stop asking why. He just, he just wants her to leave him alone, to go away and to stay away. And so this time, before she's even able to open her mouth to plead her case, yet, yet again, he stops her. And to her surprise, to the surprise of everyone in this courtroom, the judge relents. And he gives her the one thing that she's desperately been seeking. He gives her the justice she's been asking for. And at first, she can't believe what she's hearing. She's shocked. She's, she is stunned. And as this reality begins to set in, you can see the tears fall. Her persistence has paid off. She has received justice. And after the curtain drops, we see that Jesus brings this story home here for his disciples and for all of us. Because in this story here, we see that Jesus shows us two realities that we must see if we're going to have a persistent and passionate prayer life. Here in this story, Jesus shows us two truths that must be functioning for you and for me if we're going to hold on to our hope and keep praying, especially in the midst of unanswered prayer. And the first thing that Jesus wants us to see is that we are completely dependent upon God. There's one thing that Jesus wants us to see in this story. It's that this woman was completely aware of her dependence on this judge. There was absolutely no one else and nowhere else she could turn to for help. I mean, trust me, if there was anyone else she could have gone to, she would have. But she was completely helpless on her own. And she knew if there was going to be any change in her circumstances, it was going to come from this judge and him alone. And I think this is really important for us to see and for us to, to connect for our prayer lives because I think if we're honest with ourselves, I know when I'm honest with myself, my lack of prayer, it just comes from not realizing that I am completely dependent upon God. For me, I can just easily get into the mindset that if I just work really hard, then I can accomplish anything that I might be asking God for. And so I try and I try to get things done in my own strength sometimes succeeding, but really most of the time just frustrating myself. And here into this mirage of my self-sufficiency, Jesus tells us about a widow, the perfect picture of someone who is helpless and utterly dependent upon others. And he calls us to be just like her and to see our need for him. You see, if the circumstances in our life are gonna change, if hope is going to be spoken into the difficult situations of your life and my life, if, if healing is going to come, if relationships are going to be restored, if the blind eyes are going to be open, it is only going to come as we reach the end of ourselves, as we reach the end of our ingenuity, our proficiency, and our competency, and we embrace the reality that we see here that only God can do what we're asking. And we fall on our knees and we pray to God, the one who is our only hope and our only help. And here it's not just once, but hour after hour, day after day, week after week, calling out to God. 
think that George Mueller was such a good example of this. He was an, an evangelist in the 19th century, and he tells the story about the day that he, that he committed to pray every day for five he, he committed to pray every day for the salvation of five of his young friends. And he prayed for 18 months, for 18 months before the first one came to know Christ. And when this happened, he, re, he replied, he, he said, I thanked God and I pressed on. Isn't that such a good phrase, right? I thanked God and I pressed on. And he continued praying for the remaining four until one day after another five years of praying, the second one came to know the Lord. Six years after that, so here, almost 13 years after he first committed to pray for his friends, a third came to Christ. But after 36 years of praying, as Mueller approached his own death, the last two were still not believers, but Mueller wasn't phased. He said, I love this line, he said, they are not converted yet, but they will be. I hope in God, I pray on, and I look for the answer. What, what a great example of someone who was aware of their dependence upon God and persisted in prayer, praying every day for the salvation of his friends. As I was, was reminded of this example, I was just, just reminded that there are many other George Mueller's here in this room. There are many of you who I know have been praying, maybe not for 36 years, but for day after day, week after week, month after month, have been crying, have been, been calling out to God to, to answer this prayer, whatever it may be. And I just want to encourage you to keep praying. I want to encourage you to hope in God and keep praying, knowing that he hears our prayers. Whether they are prayers for healing that have yet gone unanswered, I'm not promising healing, but I know that God is calling us to keep praying. It's prayers for the salvation of loved friends and family members who have heard the gospel and who just have yet remained unfazed. Keep praying realize that just like this widow, we are completely dependent upon God. And just to, to be a second thing that Jesus wants to show us, and it really gives us hope to keep praying, is the second thing we see in this passage is that God compassionately cares for those who see their need. Here, Jesus in verses 6 and 7 shows us that he is not like this unjust judge. Look with me at verses 6 and 7. Jesus says, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Here, after being bothered and pestered, he finally relents. And he says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Here, Jesus is using this lesser to greater argument. He's saying, if this judge will answer the widow's request because of her, because of her persistent prayer, because she keeps coming, how much more will God, your loving heavenly father, who graciously and generously gives good gifts to his children, how much more will he answer your persistent prayer? Oh, how we need to hear this, how, how I need to hear these words, because if I'm being honest, I can begin to think of God as just like this judge. 
You see a lie that I have to fight against. It's just the, the lie that I, I believe I'm an inconvenience, that I should just be happy that I'm here, keep quiet, and don't bother anyone. And if I'm not careful, I can easily transfer those feelings to my prayer life. As I approach God in prayer, I can picture him being just like this judge who sees the widow, about out, who sees the widow outside of his window approaching And he's just instantly annoyed because she's there to bother him. And I can think that as God sees me coming, he's just as annoyed that I'm there to bother him again. But this story shows us that while that might be how I view prayer, it is never, ever how God views it. The biblical picture we have of prayer is a God who desires to hear our prayers and delights in doing good to us and for us picture in the Bible is of God who desires to hear our prayer and delights in doing good to us and for us. And we know that this is the case because this same Jesus who invites us in to tell us a story is the same Jesus who endured the cross. It's the same Jesus who, endure, who paid the penalty for our rebellion against him, who restored our relationship with God, making it even possible that we can come before him in prayer. The cross shows us here that God is for us, that he delights to care for us and to defend us. I was reminded of Romans 8 where we read that God who did not spare his own son has promised that with Christ he will give us all good things. This is the God who invites us to continually come before him and seek all good things from him. That's why we can come and have a persistent and passionate prayer life because God invi- the God who invites us is not an unjust judge, but he is a God who desires to hear from us and who delights in answering our prayers. Just briefly want to mention that it would be wrong to look at this passage here, especially verses 7 and 8, and think that we can get whatever we want if we just ask enough or if we ask in the right way. This story here, it's not a field guide for how to manipulate or to coerce God into giving you what you want right now. This passage here, it's not a, it's not a blanket promise that we're going to get everything that we want right now. This type of thinking, it only leads to discouragement and despair. That's not what Jesus is offering us here. But what he is promising us is that there will come a time when all of our prayers will finally be answered here. This passage with its promise of justice absolutely will be fulfilled. We're just not promised that it will happen in this life. But we are reassured that if it doesn't happen in this life, then it will be at the resurrection when Christ returns and he will dwell with us and all will be made right. You see, there will be a day in in all of our lives where our prayers will ultimately fail. Each and every one of us here, unless Christ returns, will die. But for all who trust in Christ, we've been promised resurrection. And on that day when Christ returns, when we're raised with him, all of our prayers for justice, all of our prayers for wrongs to be made right, for healing, for provision, all of our prayers for all of the things that God has promised to us, they will be answered. But in the meantime, we don't know when God will answer these prayers. And so like the widow here, God is inviting us to persistently to come to him, the one who loves to help us. He's inviting us to come to him and to pray.
And so how are we going to be a people who persist in passionate prayer this year when it feels like our prayers are phone calls to silence, when it feels like our prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling? Jesus wants us to see who we are and to know what he's like, to see that we are completely dependent upon him and that he compassionately cares for his children. That's how 2020 will become a year of persistent prayer for us individually and for us as a church. And to help us put this into practice, what we're going to do now is spend some time declaring our dependence on our generous God as we pray together. So before we pray, just want to briefly highlight how this is going to work, some logistics for us. 